this stuff is all in your notes that uh, she's run off. It's all in uh, in the notes, so uh, it's over on the overhead. But I'm just going to try to look at you and, and summarize. Uh, for instance, the word "bad" can uh, refer to uh, bad things, or it can refer to impure water or unpleasant or difficult times or sad or a heavy heart. Already, by the way, when you get into something like that, you're dealing with figures of speech. When you talk about a heavy heart or sad heart, you're not really talking about the physical organ. You're talking about the heart as the instrument see, of emotions. Uh, Hebrew uh, had another word that they used that I love you with all my kidneys. See, they used the word kidneys for emotion as well as the word heart. So it's going to be different. Uh, you can use it with reference to uh, thoughts and desires or actions which are morally wrong or or wicked. In the notes that I gave you, I had the, uh, a section in Dr. Chisholm's book from exegesis to uh, exposition, and he gives the examples from English of uh, uh, the English. A bad back is a sore or injured back. A bad boy is a naughty boy, etc. Uh, a, a bad dog is an unruly or disobedient dog, and uh, you... Uh, I uh, got some of that from uh, Tom on uh, Sunday morning where he's talking about the three different dogs. Uh, okay, there's also uh, a thing there with a verb in terms of running that's going to take on different uh, connotations and nuances. So we're going to look at those concepts as you uh, study uh, those words. Okay, let's go ahead and look at... Uh, Figurative nuances, which is part of this. Figures of speech we'll study when we get to the uh, Psalms and the Prophets, uh, and I'll give you a, a broader one. But the figures involving comparison are, are not difficult because uh, when a simile, you have all we like sheep have gone astray, like or as. Uh, with a metaphor, you have the simple equation of two terms. Uh, we are the sheep of his pasture in which we're being compared to sheep. The context, by the way, is going to give you the point of the comparison or the metaphor. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Okay, and, and implicitly, we're being compared to sheep. He leads me in green pastures. He uh, makes me lie down uh, in the water, uh, near water. So he's providing for my needs. He, though I walk through the valley of darkness, the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. So he's, uh, he's spelling those out. The one that you'll have problems with, <laughs> However, is where you use an implied. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I 
give them everlasting life. I think it goes like that. Okay. My sheep, see, I'm being implicitly compared to a sheep, and he's the shepherd, and we follow him, and he provides for us. So, again, those things are in context. Personification, anthropomorphism, zoomorphism, all these are comparing abstract things, animals, to people. Did you know God had hands? Uh, that he has wings and that he has a book. Okay, hands has the idea of uh, action. Okay, his hand was heavy upon me. Is that bad or good? Uh, <laughs> okay, so the, the 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 context again is going to tell you what is being thought of. Other figures are a little more difficult. Metonymy is a common figure. Metanomos, in place of another noun. So you substitute one noun for something that's connected with it. You uh, uh, connect the idea of uh, faith with the object of faith. Uh, salvation. Who, who is it? Simeon says, now I can rest in peace because uh, my eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. Okay, what had he seen? He had seen the baby. He'd seen this baby who was the Savior who was going to bring salvation. So those are some of the figures. Cause for effect, an attribute uh, for the thing itself, the house for the household, I've got these on a, a, on my computer, and we'll look at these verses and, and see how they're being reflected. The sign for the thing signified. His consecration is on his head. What's on his head? What's on his head? Huh? His hair. This is a Nazarite, because you're talking about the Nazarite who's got long hair and his Consecration, the sign of his consecration, his sign of uh, the sign of his Nazarite vow is on his head. Sometimes in the more literal translation, they just translate it that way, and so you're left there to figure out what what in the world is he talking about. So let me uh, let me give you now here uh, some examples if things will work out here. Oops. Through patience, uh, a ruler can be uh, uh, persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. What in the world is a gentle tongue? What is a soft tongue? A soft tongue can uh, break a bone. Gentle speech, soft speech. I mean, uh, when you translate that and leave it like that, what in the world are you talking about? I got uh, baptized into translation philosophy when I worked on the NIV with uh, four or five other guys sitting around the table and were trying to translate the thing so it communicated to contemporary people. And uh, so I, I got involved in that, and my whole concept of how you translate was formed by that. 
Because you're sitting there and you say, do you understand that? So uh, I, I'm a little more on the NIV side of things. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with ma- uh, malice. Their throat is an open sepulcher, uh, open grave. With their tongues they tell lies. <laughs> My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire, the heart, is to destroy others. Okay, which would you rather read, by the way? Which do you understand? The one that's translating according to significance or meaning to us or the one over there. Okay, it's literal. But uh, the NIV, okay. So on my computer, I have maybe 12 different translations. I have the more literal translation and then I have the contemporary translations like the NIV, uh, pardon me, NLT, New Living Translation, the today's English version. So I'm, I, I'm often looking at them because I, I want to understand what it means. I don't want to read words. Uh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. See, he's the one who gives me light See, light in terms of, what is light, by the way? What's light and darkness? Good and evil. Or knowledge and ignorance, see, depending on the context. See, what you're doing is you're putting the the connected word or concept, the adjunct, for the, the thing itself. Let's get down here, here, here. Second uh, Kings, Second Kings four forty. Where, 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 where? The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, "Man of God, there is death in the pot!" And they could not eat it. What in the world is death? What is there death in the in the, in the pot? Okay, all, all of these, by the way, are in the notes. Okay. So, we're going to go from there. I'm going to give Paul plenty of time here. So, we're going to go from those concepts now to look at a word study. Okay, and that word study is the word loyal love or chesed in the Bible. Okay, these are the occurrences of the word chesed. Okay, and I've given you two two forms of this, by the way. The one is uh, the long, drawn-out version, which is in the uh, uh, four-page uh, thing on introduction to word studies. And uh, it, it, if you get lost in uh, that discussion, my wife would tell you that's Don. See, he's uh, he's obscure and abstract, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Ask her. Okay, so the first use of it is, Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, loyal love, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Okay, there is only one occurrence of that word in the 
text, okay, but two are implied, see, which is reflected in the NIV. The Net Bible says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be rewarded by the Lord because he has shown loyally to the living. Uh oh, yep, I got that wrong. I'm going to the next text. Uh, in in the other one, it's uh, you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. All right, you've got two reference there. You've got kindness on the part of the Lord. Okay, uh, what's it referring to? May the Lord show you kindness. Okay, what's the context talking about? Huh? Okay, more specifically, they set out to go, Naomi sets out to go uh, back because she's heard that the Lord is providing for his people by sending them harvest. They say, we're going to go back with you. Okay, and so this is the first step in her trying to persuade them. She calls down God's blessing on them. She tells them, go back, direct uh, command, each of, uh, of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness. Okay, the kindness that she's talking about in this text are the kindness of another husband. Right? The conversation goes all into that, see? Uh, I don't have any more sons in my womb that they might be your husbands. Okay, what's she referring to, by the way, there? She's referring to the law of leveret marriage. Okay? If your husband died, and Jesus got involved in this conversation with uh, some of the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, in this case, it was the Sadducees because he gives this impossible example of this guy, uh, this woman being married to seven different uh, husbands, and they all died. Whose wife is, uh, is she going to be in the resurrection? Okay, so that's being brought up here. So the kindness here, the referent is the Lord's kindness in providing them with the security and the provisions of another husband Okay, and that. And the whole other part of that has to be, you're a Moabite. You're not going to find another husband with me. If you go back to Moab, your chances of being married again to somebody else is next to nothing. Besides that, you're leaving your family. You're leaving your friends. You're leaving your gods. Okay, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. What's the kindness that she's referring to there? And who is you? Hmm? Okay, your kindness you've shown to your dead husbands and to me. So the kindness that he's talking about are the loyalty that, she's the, that they've shown to their husbands and that the loyalty and the faithfulness that she's uh, shown to her. All the things that go on between interpersonal relationships in a family. Okay, you understand what we're talking about now when we're talking about doing a word study. Okay, you're not just talking about the word. 
And what the word means, this word, by the way, has the idea of the faithfulness, uh, the kindness, the loyalty that exists between two people in a family, uh, of a king and his subjects, in providing for the needs of the other party. Okay? That's his basic connotation. Okay, what is he referring to in in the context? Okay, Ruth 2.20. And this is the one where I'm going to get you lost. The Net Bible says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be rewarded by the Lord, he, by the Lord, because he has shown loyalty to the living on behalf of the dead. Okay, who's uh, shown loyalty? <laughs> Did you read the notes? <laughs> She's right. Okay, most of the translations and many of the commentaries are wrong. They take this as a reference to the Lord. Okay, they do that, by the way, because in Hebrew and in, in most of the English translations, the nearer antecedent is... Be rewarded by the Lord who has shown. Okay? The reference in that case has to do with Boaz's, pardon me, the Lord's raising up Boaz. Okay? Is that the emphasis of the chapter? Hmm? No. What's the emphasis of the chapter? The things that Boaz has done. So the for, the forefront of that and the following of that is all focusing in on Boaz. All right. So Boaz is the referent. Now, what does kindness refer to when it's talking about Boaz? Okay. The Lord. What has he done that shows his kindness or his loyal love? Okay, chapter 2 in Ruth is about what? Remember? She goes into the uh, field to glean, and so it's all about gleaning. Okay, he grants her permission to glean in his field. Uh, he invites her up front to pick up the loose grain, loose sheaves. He invites her to dinner. After dinner tells his workers, he says, pull out some of these sheaves and leave her uh, to do that. Okay. Uh, he also says, uh, after this, he tells her that she can glean in his fields, plural, till the end of harvest, barley and wheat. He also says, uh, I'm going to provide you protection. Okay, all of that is part of what is understood by the word kindness. Okay, uh, when she goes home and tells Naomi what's happened to her, Naomi comes out with this great big praise of God here because of what Boaz has done for her. Then she goes on and says, that man is one of our kinsmen redeemers. He's one of the people who could buy our field 
and marry you and raise up an heir. And guess what? The next chapter starts off by saying that by Naomi saying, "Ah, shouldn't I look out for you like a father looking out for his daughter?" So she gives him her some instructions on how to go to Boaz. And boy, we're going to talk about this later. Uh, what goes on in the third chapter? She tells her to wait until he's uh, tired, goes to lie down, go and lie down to him, uh, lift his skirt up and hop in the covers uh, uh, beside him. Whoops. What is going to happen in our society, by the way? How are they going to interpret that? <laughs> Not good. What she's doing, however, is she is appealing to him for leveret marriage. Okay, that brings you to the next one. Come on, come on, please. Yes, she lays at his feet. Okay, and he tells her what to do. The man will tell you what you are to do. And he tells her, he says, there's another Goel who's even closer uh, than I am. Uh, so I can't do it. If he wants to do it, it's up to him to do it. Okay, but if he refuses to do it, I will, as certainly as the Lord lives. Okay, this doesn't sound, by the way, like he's trying to get the girl or that she's necessarily trying to get him. She's just doing what her mother tells her. Appeal to him because he'll tell you what the next step is. You're going to be married. Okay, It might be Boaz and it might be somebody else, but we want Boaz to get the girl. So that's what happens in chapter uh, 4. Okay. Chapter 3. When... Uh, Boaz is given this uh, symbolic or this acted out invitation to marriage. And she tells him, you're the Goel, put your skirt over me. Throw your skirt over me. Your wing over me. She wants him to become her husband. And Boaz says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, this Kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Okay, what kindness is he talking about? What kindness is he talking about? Mm -mm. This kindness in the context. What is he? What has she done? As 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 his husband as her husband i'm sorry so why why does he say uh you have not run after the younger men see you're not doing this for yourself you're doing this for your family for your dead husband for your mother uh for her husband see you're looking out for his name his uh Ownership of a, a part in the land. This is greater than uh, that which you showed earlier. Okay, what what is he referring to? 
See, there are two acts of kindness here that's being referred to. One of them is the context of chapter 3. The other one is in the context of what? Okay. Uh, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. That's chapter 1. Uh, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So she left her God. She left her people. She accompanied uh, Naomi. She's worked in the field now to provide for Naomi. That's all the stuff that he's, that he's referring to. Okay, you understand now what I'm asking you to do when you study a word. Don't just look at the translation. Don't just look at the word. Look at what is being referred to. What kind of connotation? He has an evil eye. What in the world do you mean by that? He has an evil eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, that's the see that's the context with you. He got he's got something bad in in, in mind. So you got to look at the context of words. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, don't let me get away with that. See, I'm giving you the Hebrew word. It's the word for redeem. It's the kinsman redeemer. This was the person who's responsible for avenging the death of a relative, paying off a, a relative's loan, of different things like that. Because that's all back, by the way, in Leviticus, in the laws. Okay, Paul, you're up. Okay, let's turn to the book, the book of Jonah. Your assignment this week was to go through Jonah and look at words that occur um, more than once and try to come up with um, how it shows shows us the, the meaning and the uh, meaning and the structure of uh, of the book. What are, what are some words that you have that you have come up with on? On this, I'm sorry. Yes, definitely. God is the one who's working on Jonah and working to get him to get him to Nineveh. Yes, that's right. There's the gods of the sailors, and then there's God that Jonah. Okay, um, and that's a number of times, and um. That he, he he fled from the presence of the Lord. Okay, in verse two, great city. Have you did you notice how many times that the word great was used? Um, in one one, great great city, and then in one four, a uh, great wind. One twelve, great tempest. One seventeen, <coughs> great fish. Three, two, great, great city. Three, three, great, great city. 
in 411 Great Great City. Um, I don't know if your your book has, uh, if your Bible has marginal notes or notes down at the bottom, but in this ESV that I'm using, in in 3.3, it has a note here at the bottom, and it says, Great City to God. So, you can see the, the contrast here is God highly values Nineveh. It's a great city to him. It's important to him because he wants to show his kindness to it. And because it's a great city to him and, and Jonah's running the wrong way, God throws a great wind and a great tempest. So you see, because it's important to God, God makes this great wind and this great uh, tempest come upon um, Jonah. Great fish, exactly right. Okay, in verse 4, there's another word that's repeated a number of times. Hurled, yes. Um, I know in ESV it's hurled. It may, it may be sent in, um, in, in different translations. But notice that, that God hurls a great wind. And then what, what do the sailors have to do then? Right, they have to hurl out the, out the, out the cargo, and then also they have to do what? To Jonah, they have to hurl out Jonah. So you see how the words are used here. You know, God begins it by hurling a great wind. The sailors respond by hurling out the cargo. That's not enough, so they have to hurl Jonah into the sea. Yes. That's right. What what other words have you, did you find here that have been repeated a lot? Okay, that's that is good. Yes, um, in you know four one, it says that he was angry. You know that's Jonah. He was he was angry, and um, and then the contrast. Notice in verse two. You are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from from disaster. This is probably one of the key verses on God's God's character here. Um, but Jonah is angry, but he knows that God is slow to anger. And notice the questions that that God asked Jonah. He's um, verse four. And the Lord said, "Do you do well to be angry?" And then in 9, that God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? So, you know, we see here then that Jonah is quick to anger over, a, over small things like a plant. And he's also angry at God's mercy, mercy and love. But yet God is slow to anger and, and compassionate. Okay, we looked at great, hurled, fear, afraid. Let's look at the word appointed or, or, or provided, depending upon which translation you use. Um, on one seventeen, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And then in, in 4.6, now the Lord God appointed a plant. In 4.7, God appointed a worm. And then in 4.8, God appointed a scorching east 
is when? What is the repetition of appointed or or provided? What is that doing for us? Right. That, you know, God's sovereignty over over nature and nature and creation. Um, and also God is working you can see how God is working to move Jonah from a selfish, uncaring person to a compassionate person. And sacrifice and vows look at one sixteen then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and, and, made, and made vows. So here are the pagan sailors. They're now sacrificing to the Lord and making the vows to, vows to serve him. And um, then in 2.9, Jonah says it, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs belongs to the Lord. So, first the sailors sacrifice, and then later on, Jonah says that he will sacrifice. And you can see that, like um, when the storm comes, the, the the sailors they're praying to their gods. What does Jonah do? He goes down to the hold of the ship and goes to sleep. You know, not not afraid of God. Um, the men are, the sailors are afraid, but but he's not. And then they pray, but he doesn't pray. So there's a real contrast here between the pagan sailors and and the prophet prophet of God. Let's go to um, the word pity in the fourth chapter, the tenth verse. And the Lord said, You pitied the, pl- the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And then 11, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much, much cattle? Notice the, the contrast here. Jonah pities a plant. God pities a great city with more than 120,000 people in it. And God throws in and much cattle. So maybe maybe Jonah who pities a plant, he, he doesn't like the Ninevites, but maybe he would pity the cattle in the, in the city. Okay, um, for next week, your assignment is to look at the word evil or disaster or dis discomfort in the book of Jonah to go through and, and look at all of those um, references and we will this discomfort they're all the same Hebrew word but they're translated different different ways but you can see how by concentrating on the different words and how they're used and the contrast here it really brings out a lot in the book of Jonah than if you just going through and reading it and not really paying attention to the use of all the terms and the the words here. Okay, so it's 8 o'clock, so let's go ahead and bow in prayer and then we can go. Father, we thank you for giving us your word and we thank you for helping us to understand it and sending us your Holy Spirit so we can look into your word. 
Father, we pray that we would be diligent to study your word and we would be careful and that we would treat it with the respect and honor that, that you deserve because it's your word to us. Pray that you'll go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.